What's up, party people? Thanks for downloading our podcast. You can check out more of our episodes at facebook.com slash thishouseofcardspodcast or on iTunes. Hello, everybody, and welcome to This House of Cards podcast, an unofficial podcast about the Netflix hit show House of Cards. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with Chris Husted, co-host. What's up, Tyler? Not too much. It is a rainy evening here. I am enjoying a Magic Hat Elderberry beer. What's going on with you? Delicious. I have a uh, glass of Cabernet Sauvignon. I'm trying to finish up a bottle I opened up last week, so enjoying that tonight um but it's really hot here so it's, it's raining over there it's been a little rainy but it is warmer so i think it's the weird temperature changes going on but hopefully it'll stay nice throughout the rest of the week but i do have to say that i think half a bottle of leftover cabernet sauvignon is appropriate for this episode because this episode is not really a full episode it's such a lead up to the next finale you just, i mean clearly also obviously there's all sorts of exposition gone into it but i do have a couple key points i want to talk about um before we dive into it anything particular that stuck out to you uh we see a lot of storylines i guess kind of converging or condensing so we don't have like you know a lot of things happening with individual characters things are kind of coming together all into one uh storyline which which i i like i appreciate that so we see some characters interacting more with other characters that we haven't really seen too much of yet. I, I, yeah. I think that's kind of the big standout to me. I agree. I agree. And I think I was surprised that we saw so much of Christine, um, but it makes sense, I guess. In Christina. That. Christina, sorry. That we saw so much of Christina, yeah. but I guess it makes sense. I'm curious if she, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens, but if she'll be a character in um, next season too. But right. so I guess let's, let's go ahead and kick it off and start talking about her immediately. Um, were you surprised that... Sorry, um, hang on. That's okay. God, my mom keeps texting me photos of our dog at dog school. Sorry. I'm sure it's those are adorable, cute, but it's it's kind of annoying. Anyway, sorry. Crystal post one of those on our Facebook page for all of you to enjoy <laughs> while listening to this episode. <laughs> she, my mom doesn't even like do anything with the dog. Like she makes my dad take the dog through all the lessons and the training and stuff, and she takes videos with her phone of the dog because this is their only child they're empty nesters now and my sister texted her after my mom texted these photos she says uh, are there other people out there taking videos of their dogs and my mom says nope just me <laughs> anyway sorry there's a little insight into chris's weird family okay so we open the scene with christina <laughs> All right, if you want to move on. We open up this scene with this episode with Christina, who's meeting with Rousseau's buddy Paul from the shipyards. And um, surprisingly, they're asking Paul to run for Rousseau's seat. Um, now, Paul's a little kind of taken aback by this because he thought Christina was calling him to, you know, maybe just talk about Rousseau and kind of get their feelings out there about it and everything. But she seems kind of... Like, she's trying to be, I mean, clearly she's trying to be kind of um, all business, not think about it, um, cold. Right. So, right. yeah. I, I My thoughts were, I think she still definitely has a heart. And when she came in kind of strong, I, I, I really kind of liked her a little bit more. Not because she didn't have, she wasn't boohooing over Rousseau, because clearly she, we saw her do that. But this has been a month, so she seems a little stronger, maybe this whole situation made her a little stronger and i was rooting for i almost thought i wanted her to run for this spot um Uh, i was thinking i was thinking the exact same thing and maybe that's what something like that'll end up happening and she'll stay involved but she said you know i can't let feelings get in the way but clearly she was just trying to be pragmatic and this was her way of dealing with grief right yeah i i do think something we see later on in the episode because this seems like a different christina she's a lot stronger I agree. At, mm-hmm. at face value. And I think that is something we needed to see before we kind of see her later on in this episode. So we see, like you said, we see how she's coping with this loss. And for her, it was kind of becoming a stronger, more uh, assertive person. A little bit hardened. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the meantime, we have the president, Linda and Frank interviewing people for the position of vice president. And I thought this was kind of, this is kind of a comical scene. Like, 
the the questions the president is asking the the candidate is like stuff you would ask somebody who is interviewing at any job anywhere in America, you know. And this is for vice yeah. presidency. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he asks would... you like, "What's your biggest challenge?" <laughs> stuff like that. Partisanship. I know. And then just goes stone cold. And then that's it. She's uh-huh. not gonna give it. She's not gonna elaborate at all. <laughs> so. I thought that was kind of an entertaining little bit of that was funny levity, which we don't get much of these days since this has gotten quite dark quite fast. It feels like, um, but clear. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that right. Linda and Frank were putting together a bad list of candidates on purpose, so that way, you know, the President Walker would eventually land on Truly. Frank. Um, <clears throat> so. We see, let's jump real quick to Frank and Claire discussing VP plans and Frank's kind of anticipating to be the next one up after all these candidates have been crappy. Because Walker says, you know, give me one name, one good candidate. And so he wants that to be, he wants Linda to plant his name in there. Sure. Um, And so we see this scene of Frank and Claire together and they're clearly like partners again, kind of. You know, she says, call me. Call me as soon as you know. And he says, I promise I'll call you. Because remember last time at the very beginning of the season, he didn't, he like, was out by the fountains for forever after he lost Secretary of State. So, um, there, you know, she helps him put his jacket on and everything. So we kind of see that they're connected again, they're partners again. Whether or not they actually have any love, it doesn't matter because that doesn't seem to be, that doesn't seem to be the most important thing to either of them, ultimately. Right. They're back onto their, their business plan to, to, you know, get up, climb up that ladder. And so we see Frank, like, outside the... Oval Office, and he seems kind of, I mean, he seems worried in his monologue. Frank, a number of times in this episode, seems a little bit nervous and worried in ways that we have not necessarily seen him before. Or if we have, it was all kind of a farce, you know, that he was playing us. But this time, he seems genuinely nervous. Um, Yeah. I think it's because these situations are out of his control. There was, there's not too much of a way that he could have set himself up any better Meaning there's no way he could have manipulated the situation in a way that would come out in his favor uh, like a lot of the other times uh, other scenarios have. So this one, he's done as much as he can do at this point, and now it's kind of in the hands of someone else that he can't control or who he can't control. So he's pro- that's I, why he's nervous, I think, right? I think you're absolutely right, and he set up the odds in his favor as high as they could possibly be, but there's still that whatever, you know, 5% chance that there's something could go wrong, and he... Is worried about that exactly, and and that's what happens when Linda comes out of the office and says that the president is interested in tapping a Houston multi-billionaire who St. Louis or St. Louis St. Louis sorry Houston St. Louis multi-billionaire um, who has never been in politics before um, to be the next VP, and so Frank goes in to talk to the president and agrees with him initially and says that he personally wants to be sent to St. Louis to vet this guy. Right. Well, it's funny because, like, the president lists, like, one or two people. He's like, nah, not that person. Nah, not that person. And then Frank, like, I mean, we learn later on that this is, you know, this is played the way it's supposed to happen. But Frank's like, I'll do it, thinking that he could work his way probably into this uh, billionaire's... uh, uh, um, thought processing kind of probably, as I was seeing this, deter him from going for the vice presidency. Right. What I also kind of thought about this is we're kind of we. I don't know if we gave um, President Walker enough credit because it, we kind of thought he was just another pawn of almost of Frank's up until this point. But we kind of like in this in this episode we kind of see that like he's he's smarter than we thought he's kind of been on a little bit to Frank this entire time but maybe just sees value in all his scheming. I thought about that too, but like there's no way that we could have known because we didn't get to know anything really about the president. Like we That's really true. didn't. There's no there's nothing besides his interactions with Frank that we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely so true. It's, it's hard to think that way. <laughs> it's but very I true. agree. Like we're led to believe he's just. A, just regular by the books guy, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> so let's talk about Janine real quick for a second. Janine is on the hunt. And so she calls. Lo- yeah, um, loving her now. She's on the scent, totally. 
Yeah, so she calls Paul, who is the guy, you know, the shipyards guy, and she asks if he's running for the seat, um, and he says he's not going to talk about that, but she's able to kind of squeeze out of him that Rousseau, um, basically, Rousseau didn't actually discuss at all with the shipbuilders union about closing the plant. He did it on his own, and it was because he was being strong-armed politically. So Janine is on a mission now to figure out who, in fact, is strong-arming, or was strong-arming Rousseau. So she she brings it up with Zoe, because she's kind of confiding in Zoe as a friend. And Zoe kind of acts like she's going to deny it at first, but then we find out Janine knew Frank was Zoe's source. Um... I like and this. I like this. I I I was cheering when 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 uh, Janine called Zoe out. Janine and Luke both called Zoe out in this episode. I it's love like it. you were you were not as sneaky as you thought you were. Is what right. I was going in right. my mind. It's totally obvious now. And and, it, and for Zoe, it's kind of like this wake up call. You know that a she may have been being used, but b like people know what's going on. Like, don't you want to dig deeper and see what was being done mm-hmm. by manipulating and exploiting you? Well, but first of all, she goes straight to Frank. She right. she still goes right. back to him. Her old ways. Mm-hmm. She still goes back to him and is a little, you know, stooly and warns him that uh, Janine's on to him about the shipyard. She says, were you the one strong-arming about the shipyard? And Frank pretty much just brushes it off and says, who cares? The shipyard is just politics. That kind of stuff happens all the time in the Department of Defense, you know, budget. You know, um, Rousseau did it because... He was able to make some allies out of, or some turn some enemies into allies, basically. Um, but I all, it also is important to know that Zoe does lie about Janine knowing that Frank is her source, so she is protecting Janine to some degree. So right. it's not like her loyalties are all on Frank's side. She's trying to decide. I mean, clearly she's, she's trying to work all her cards out for close. She's trying to work it out for herself. What's what's the right thing to do? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, before we go any further, though, let's talk about kind of so this is those were all kind of pieces of the same plot, like you said. Those are all coming together. Then we have a little bit of the subplot that I can only assume is somehow going to be tied into what's going on at the end. And I'm talking about the Jillian and Claire subplot that goes on in this episode. Yeah, this one was weird. Right. So we haven't really even seen Jillian for a while. Forever. <laughs> I know. I kind of forgot she was even a character, but she shows up in this one because. Sandcorp is going to like film some promo videos in Botswana where they're doing water filtering. And Jillian's uncomfortable with it because basically they're a drilling company and it's all about clean water and stuff. So she's trying to stand up for what she believes in. But Claire, of course, is dismissive of it and says, you know, sometimes you just have to bend over backwards and get shit done. Um, but this really blows up a little bit later on. Um, but we'll, we can revisit... or Let's just go through this that whole subplot now because I don't know... I mean, why not? There's because only one it's more only, scene, I feel like. There's two more, there's, yeah, there's two more scenes to it. And it's, two it, more, yeah. So the next one is basically Claire finds out from Rennie that Jillian sent an email saying she doesn't want the film, she doesn't want those film crews there. So Jillian basically went behind Claire's back, which we knew Claire was not going to be very happy with at all. She gets right. crazy pissed. So, of course, she goes looking for Jillian and she's sick or whatever because of her maternity and Claire thinks she's putting on a bullshit front to get out of it so when she comes back Claire confronts her and they get an argument over it and basically Jillian says this thing about when you hired me you said that I would have autonomy and Claire basically says yeah but then you disobeyed me so you don't anymore (laughs) yeah yeah that was I mean so like you're saying like we hadn't heard about this storyline in a long time, so I found it hard to all of a sudden have an emotional connection to this argument. I did have a little bit of a tie to Jillian finally standing up just because you knew this was coming down the road at some point. You know, this this confrontation was going to happen just because of who Claire is and what her, you know, underlying motives are and also how at least how we were presented with Jillian, who is this more pure, you know, there for the people wanting to do good work uh, mentality. So this was coming down the road no matter what. So just because I had thought about that since day one of their meeting, I was kind of rooting for Jillian in this. But in the same sense, in the same scene, I was kind of like kind of not really invested in it. I don't know. How did you feel? I agree about that because this was like a very slow build up to this kind of, 
final confrontation that like you're right we definitely saw this coming from the beginning because Jillian was all idealistic and everything and Claire kind of coaxed her into it but we know Claire does isn't the kind of person to just give someone autonomy like that Claire needs to be in control and so this was a long time coming um and basically she kind of tells Jillian to go on leave and we're not really sure if Jillian's fired kind of Claire kind of leaves that up to her whether or not she's going to listen and kind of fall in line with the whole Sandcorp thing I just have a... I don't know. I was going to ask you about this. Personally, I have a feeling that this is somehow going to tie into the last episode. Maybe we'll finally figure out what Claire's motives are with this whole thing. Because that's been blurry since the beginning. Like, if... I, at first, we thought her motives were... She was just devoted to the cause. And then we... And, you know, she was she really liked Jillian and her kind of idealistic thing. But now she seems to be willing to sacrifice that to get the money from Sancorp for these water filters. Is it... What exactly is Claire after, is my question. I mean, do you, yeah, have, do you get know. a sense of that? I agree. It's, it's it's a little confusing. I think the switch kind of flipped a little bit when Frank pr- told her about the uh, possibility of vice presidency. Uh, so maybe she flipped on her business hat skills. Skills <laughs> she put on her business uh, hat again and, and just was serious about just, you know, pioneering ahead with her company. I, I don't know how that plays into Frank. Although we hear later Frank wants to get Remy on the phone line later on. So obviously That's the Sam, only Cor- t- Sam Cor is coming in. I agree. And that was the only... That's what I was going to say too. That I think Remy is going to somehow be a tie. And maybe that's how this all comes together in the, in the, in the season finale. Which I'm very curious to see. But I feel like these are going to come due ahead at some point. These two storylines. So anyway, let's go back to this main story. Because it kind of... That's all we really have going on with the Claire Jillian thing. Excuse me. So Stamper um, is talking to Frank, and Stamper suggests that maybe Linda was is playing Frank and that she didn't actually recommend Frank to uh, Walker, but told him outright that he wanted to be president. But Frank seems to trust Linda now and feels like he has her in his pocket, it seems, to some degree. He does seem to trust her, you're right. Which I think is interesting because I don't really see Frank trusting anybody, so I don't know why he's why he trusts her now. But maybe because maybe just he knows because he thinks she wants to be VP. If he maybe that, confidence. and also she seems like an honest. Like we said this before, she seems like an honest, relatively earnest person. So he yeah. feels like she's not the same kind of cunning and deceit. She doesn't have that same kind of cunning and deceitfulness that he has. Right. I'm in the meantime. Zoe is. Putting together the pieces of everything, um, she sees the Womack connection. That at the same time, you know, Rousseau's shipyard got closed. The one that was set to be destroyed, Womack's, was kept open, and Womack got promoted to House Majority Leader. Right. Right. And so she's she's realizing these connections, but at the same time, it seems like she's kind of like trying to get Janine to stop to like pull her off Frank's trail because she's she's calling Janine and she's just like. Um, it's just Womack, so don't investigate Frank anymore. So to some degree, it's like, is she still trying to cover her own ass? Which I think is a question we'll continue to ask. I think so, because it's not until after this that Janine really calls her out, and Lucas really calls her out. You know, they, they've hinted at it, like, we know that Frank's been feeding you, like, stories, but they haven't really, I, I think at this point at least, they haven't really insinuated that you're banging the guy for stories. So I think she's still trying to save herself and maybe a little bit of Frank, but also, like you said, and I hadn't I hadn't thought about it this way, but she's really kind of struggling just to figure out which way she wants to fall in this situation. What's what's the best way for her to fit? Like, is it side with Frank, side with herself and protect herself, or side with the journalist in her and Janine and figure out what the hell is going on? Right, exactly. And she's torn, at least at the beginning here. So let's follow this storyline for a second then. Janine tries to talk to Christina, and Stamper is basically on it. And he steps in, like, before, you know, Janine has a chance to ask Christina anything. So we know Janine to some degree is being watched. Yeah, Doug, way to be super obvious about (laughs) who, A, who you work for, but B, like, what your motives are here. Come on, buddy. But, I mean, was he even really trying to be subtle, or was he trying to be intimidating? That's almost what I felt. It's like he was trying to be somewhat he threatening. Def- 
Yeah, he definitely came across as intimidating. But if I'm Janine, which I'm not, but I, I'm loving Janine more and more in these episodes, by the way. She's seeming to be the one with the best head on her shoulders. But she, if I'm her, I'm thinking, wow, this guy's clearly trying to intimidate me. I'm onto a story. You know, this this is legit. I yeah. need to keep digging around. Obviously, not through this path, but I need to go back. Uh, you know, through some backdoor channels. I, I think. What do no, you think? I th- was he being intimidating on purpose? I think he was being intimidating on purpose. But I do agree with you that, like, she had that only would it, like I don't know if he played that right acting that way because it only makes her more suspicious that they're kind of blocking Christina from her because it only goes to show that maybe there's some information that they're trying to keep from her. So the natural, of course, the natural journalist in her is going to want to keep diving because she knows that there's something juicy going on. So they're kind of, I mean, clearly hinting at that. Right. Um, excuse me. So I mean, since since we're just talking about Christina, let's also mention that at the, at one point she's um, looking for documents. She's like going through Russo's office, and we actually do finally see her break down and cry, looking at some pictures of him. Yeah. And we know that she isn't all hard shell. Right. She just she... she's trying to cope. She is a fascinating character at this point. I pray that we see her next season doing evolving because she she she's kind of going through this stuff where she's changing um, and evolving as a character, as Russo kind of was too. We haven't seen that happen with too many people. Kind of seeing it with Zoe, but not really because she's kind of flip flopping all over the place at this point. I don't really know what her deal is. I think we, I think we kind of have a clear idea by the end of the episode, though. Yes, um, yeah. I hope that's who she truly is. I really, truly hope that, that that is who this is. But as far as Christina goes, breaking down, seeing the photos and stuff, she's trying to put on a, on a front a little bit. But I do think that she has been strengthened or gotten harder because of what she's been through now, but she's still a good person inside. So, I mean, she, she's a very sympathetic character and I do hope we keep someone like her at least around because we don't have too many of those people. I agree. I agree. Especially um, with Rousseau gone. It's, I don't even remind me. <laughs> um, so then let's talk about, so Zoe and Janine, um, Janine's clearly getting paranoid. She's telling Zoe that, you know, they have Frank's people are watching her. Um, cause she's putting the pieces together and she kind of plants a seed in Zoe's head that Underwood has been using you the whole time. And so she kind of pushes Zoe to go investigate. There it is. Uh, That's the change. She, yeah. So she kind of somehow this opened Zoe's eyes, which of course Frank's been using Zoe the whole time. I don't know. She just thought it was like a very symbiotic relationship or something like, yeah, he was getting something, but she was getting the stories, but realizing maybe that she was getting the stories, but the stories were all playing to his benefit. Which, of course, they would be. So I'm not sure why that was such a big surprise to her, but maybe she was naive before about it. Um, so she's getting ready to go investigate this whole thing, this whole trailer park thing, which we remember this was the Secretary of State candidate that um, Rousseau kind of helped to ruin. Right. I, 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 like, I like this whole sequence. Like Zoe finally getting out there, like reporting on a story that, you know, could be crazy, like blow something open. Also, I wanted to point out this point. I wrote this down. I want slug li- a show on Slugline way more than I want HBO's Newsroom. Yeah, at this and I point. think it's a lot more relevant. I, exa- I think that's a great point. <laughs> I think it would be a good counterpoint. Like, I want to see like AMC do that show or something like that. Totally, it would be so much more grittier and and no, no, you know, not trying to knock Aaron Sorkin, but it's it'd be much more kind of gritty mm-hmm. anyway I, I like i like these women kind of like you know working their angles and trying to figure it out plus their editor you know being kind of like, why are we not breaking this and but also like these storylines instead of you know i don't know the convenience if you've if i don't know some of our listeners probably have never seen newsroom or the ones i have might know this but like everything just happens so conveniently for them Whereas this seems like a lot more like the Wild West, you know, where it's like yes, they're on their own. They're they're an up and coming, you know, Politico style website. I I, I like that. I, I just I wish these the writers apparently knew journalism a little better than they do. I know we've mentioned this before, but the way things have happened for these journalists are just a little seems unrealistic to me. 
I agree, and we we have critiqued that before, but I feel like I'm finally enjoying the like we yes. said, we're finally enjoying the journalists that they're becoming, and so maybe we'll be happy. Maybe the their writers are evolving, and as you know, next season maybe we'll be all over that. Yeah. Um. So before Zoe leaves to um go to the trailer park, she ha- is packing up, and basically Lucas guesses. That Underwood guesses he he reveals to her that he pretty much knows that Underwood was her source, which again she's yeah. surprised by because now she knows both Lucas and Janine knew right. it was Underwood the whole time when she thought she was being so sneaky. I wrote everyone knows with a, with an or an exclamation point on my in my notes, and he kind of is like I, I don't know well, what are you trying to do with this? Are you defending him to cover your own ass? And she he's he's unsure of her motives too, but he's like not sure how to feel about her because. He knows that she was, you know, banging the guy Janine for put it like, Yeah, oh, banging her way to the middle or whatever, the way Janine put it, you know. Um, but he says, I probably love you. And so... That was weird. And they have a little short conversation about ethics in there. I thought that was kind of interesting. They do. A very short conversation about whether... What ethics matter when it comes to... I mean, whether they matter when it comes to... Right. Getting away. So, obviously... Yeah. I There's think she said something like, don't lecture me on ethics or something. I don't know. But that that was interesting that, you know, the person she's probably arguably closest to is starting to reject her and see how she responds. Well, and she's kind of, clearly she was, uh, she's of the, you know, when they talk about this ethics thing, she's of the, I don't know if it's, maybe a, maybe it's a new generation of journalists thing where it's like, ethics are a lot more fluid and you kind of do what you've got to do. And there's a lot more gray area when it comes to social media and when it comes to, you know, digging for information online and stuff like that. And as far as privacy stuff goes, I mean, there's a lot, there's, it's, there's a lot more gray area than there. I feel like formerly was. And so ethics are not, I mean, obviously having sex to get stories is not clear, but I'm just saying, I think she does represent kind of a new era of journalism where, ethics are not so so much carved in stone one might call it perhaps an older era of journalism too before ethics were really in play oh astute hey. observation as always <laughs> she's so retro <laughs> she is so retro so retro she goes to Rousseau's trailer park all alone in the middle of the night to or not Rousseau the one that Rousseau went to where this um, Roy the guy that wrote that the editorial name? Roy, yeah, I, think, the, I don't remember how to pronounce Kepeni, it. Kepeniak yeah. or something like that, yeah. Um, to go, for, The guy that Rousseau went and like drank and got stoned with and basically convinced to bullshit leak the story to Zoe that the Secretary of State wrote some anti-government or like socialist thing that he didn't actually write, whatever. The, the important part to remember is that Rousseau conned a guy into telling a lie um, for Frank. And so she's going to go figure out if that's true, if Russo really did go. Um, but the guy's trailer's missing. But the neighbor sends her to the topless bar. No, let's, uh, let's, to... let's say what... By the way, that neighbor stole the show, I think. That, that woman was fantastic. I loved her. <laughs> she was smoking her cigarette, drinking her drink. And she's like, that Echo girl, her name is Echo. First of all, I don't remember if we knew, ever knew that girl's name. And she's like, she's at, where can I find her? Oh, she's at the titty bar. And yeah. she's like, where is that? On on like Highway 40 or whatever? She's like, yeah, across from the Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> she knew yes. exactly where that titty bar was. I love directions that, like that, too. That that was really funny. Like, when you talk about little character parts that are standing out. And, like, with the the dog barking that she has to move and everything. Yeah. It's like, she was, played she played trash very well. Without, without, like, being, like, you know, too... Um, I thought at first that maybe she would be kind of hostile, but she wasn't hostile at all. She's kind of yeah. nice. So it kind of reminded me of like some of the the warmer characters we 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 meet in the wire, you know, a little grittier neighborhood, you know, but you know, not super intimidating or anything, but definitely just a more realized character. Yeah, first there's a small bit. Anyway, sorry, we're already giving this this character a lot of attention, but I I, I loved it. I thought she was fantastic. Uh, I agree, but. Um... <laughs> So Zoe goes to the topless bar to find Echo, um, and she's in the back room with Echo. And Echo identifies Russo as being the one who came and reveals right. that um, 
it was Roy who wrote everything, and the Secretary of State didn't really do anything. If I remember correctly, Echo was pretty stoned out of her mind when she was there. If that's the same girl that we saw in that scene back then. They were doing a lot of blow. So I don't know how she really remembers much of anything that went down, but who really cares? Anyway, she she happens to be coherent. She was coherent enough to know what what went down, but she does not want to testify or anything. Right, I love that Zoe. Zoe does exactly what most of us would do in the situation. Even though you said you didn't want to be quoted, please, 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 can I use your quote? You'll be famous. You'll be famous. Yeah. You'll have your name that on. Funny. She even plays that card. You you won't have to dance anymore. You can. You'll be on TV shows. Yeah. And she doesn't. Yeah, it was worth a shot. <laughs> Which I don't really know why she wouldn't want to do that, but maybe she just knows that getting involved in. Shady politics can't end well for her. But then again, I don't know. Um, so Zoe and Janine are meeting again after this in like a stairwell. <laughs> the bottom of the stairwell. Because I think now we finally kind of... This is when I finally, finally was like, okay, I think Zoe's finally on Janine's side. And she's she's chosen right. which way she's going. Because here it's what I she agree. says. like She's pretty much afraid of Frank. They, they took extra efforts to go to try to like be in a stairwell where he can't hear them. Um, so I think it's pretty clear that she's going to be the journalist and not worry about saving her own ass or saving Frank's ass and the possibilities that could continue to go on with them two working together. Um, so this they pretty is, much uh, some deep throat stuff. Absolutely, yeah. like the two the two Washington Post guys and or Woodward and Bernstein. Yep. And so, so Zoe and Janine. <laughs> Same exact, same exact thing, and so they determine that Zoe needs to be the one to go talk to Christina after this, um, because Janine will be cockblocked by Stamper, and so uh, Zoe kind of busts in to talk to Christina. I, I keep like calling her Christine, Christina, and um, tr- tells her about Roy and Russo going to see Roy pretty much before Zoe can call security or anything can really go down. Um, and basically is able to convince Christina that she deserves the truth. And so we see Christina sit down and like start to look up something on the computer. And then she's like in awe about like surprised to see something. And then the episode ends. So that's like the right bit of cliffhanger there. Right. Well, well yeah. She's like, what date was it? And she's like, January 24th. And she's like, January 24th. And she starts looking on the screen or whatever. I'm like, what the hell happened January 24th? I don't remember. I, I'm sure our listeners totally remember immediately. But I do not remember. I remember it being that he, like, he decided to sober up, finally, for Christina, and he was, like, at the table doing coffee, and then Frank, like, told him he had to leave immediately. And so, like, all of a sudden, he was with her, and he was, like, it was, like, almost in the middle of the night. He had to, like, get up and go and, like, on this unexpected trip after getting a call, and she didn't really know where he was going. I understand why. Okay, so it makes sense to her that this actually happened. Okay, got it. So maybe it was just convincing her that this is like he really was being strong-armed by somebody and now she wants to know who it was. Um, which obviously that's going to She probably has a good out. idea. <laughs> so now let's talk about the last thing I wanted to talk about in this episode, which is going to which is of course the Frank plot line along with Mr. Uh, Tusk. Tusk. Um, out in St. Louis, the multimillionaire that Frank is supposed to be going to vet. Right. So, I love Frank he, on road trips, so I was stoked to see him going somewhere. I, I thought this was, uh, like, this was probably my favorite line of plot in this episode, just because it turned tables on a couple things. But I like how Frank showed up in the night, and then, like, the guy was already asleep, and the wife, you know, took him up to the bedroom, and how Frank is, like, didn't sleep at all. He's just, like, laying awake, listening for something, and... It's two. Also, this is ridiculous. Who gets up at two a.m.? Like, Dude, I had a roommate that did that. It was weird. It was weird. And he would that, cook food too. It was weird. I don't know. And multimillionaires up at two a.m. cooking bacon and taking calls from China. Um. And the, <laughs> you can kind of tell, like, the minute he starts like talking. Well, is it Japan that he's on the phone with? Japan or China? One of them. Um, but he's speaking I think you, a different language. I think it was China. Yeah. And I don't know. Did you think that Frank was kind of surprised by this? Like there's something that kind of seemed like Frank was a little bit um, uncomfortable or like he was not prepared for this guy a little bit. Um, I got that feeling a little bit in this first scene and it only grows later on. But um, 
Tusk asks him about like why he hits his knuckle against the table, and Frank gives right, a story the about two taps about it being because we've seen him do that throughout the whole season, and he says that you know his father did it, and it's just, it's a mixture of preparation and luck, which is what his father thought was you know the mixture for success or whatever. Right. It was interesting to hear him invoke his father again. It was interesting, and it was interesting for him to invoke luck at all because I think multiple times he said luck has nothing to do with it. Um, but I, but then again, at this point, like we've talked about, he has nothing else. I mean, he's in a much less power. I mean, he's in kind of a powerless position in a lot of ways. I mean, right now he th- at this point he thought he was because he thought he was in a position to manipulate this Tusk guy. But before we were talking about how he'd kind of done everything he could and he was left in other people's hands a little bit. So maybe that's when luck does come into play a little bit more. So he meets the guy the next morning in Tusk's office and is trying to woo Tusk, but the phone keeps ringing and it's definitely throwing Frank off. It's making Frank uncomfortable. And so already, like, there's something about this guy that Frank is not his normal... Um, he can't figure him out, really, is what it is. He can't yeah. like, put his finger on it, but like just doesn't know which way to play. And you're probably about to say this, but... So he tries to play it the blunt way, right? Yes or no? You know, do you want this office? And he play, and he and he deflects it. Yep. And so he's, Frank's like, okay, well, if that's not going to work, I'm going to try easing him in more. Exactly. And so they're, I love this scene where they're in the woods. And Frank is clearly uncomfortable in nature. He's wearing his suit. And this guy is wearing, like, you know, a vest with all his pockets and has his binoculars and hat on and is like listening to the birds and frank's just getting irritated and every time the guy looks away he checks his watch and like yeah <laughs> it's kind of he's, it, that's it's really funny actually it is kind of funny he's about to answer frank's question but then he's like oh what's that bird <laughs> and frank is just clearly getting pissed off about it and i think he's it's like, becoming this is taking kind of, way too long and i think it's kind of clear that like he's toying with frank a little bit um that's i wrote that down and like he is. I don't think that he is just indecisive. I think that he's doing this on purpose to Frank. Yeah, um, that's when I kind of first. Than I did. That's when I kind of first. I mean, I didn't figure everything out, but that's when I kind of first got that feeling a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, he talks about you know I don't make decisions based on emotions. I make dis- the most logical decisions. Kind of thing. He talks about how you know when you base things on instinct, you're not being as pre- you know thinking things through all the way. And he doesn't believe in decisions or something. And so he walks off, and Frank gives this quote like, "God has no." F-. He says something like, "You know, when I was in school, they asked they asked me if I was an atheist, and they asked me if I believed in God, and I said, that's not the right question. It's, does, or do I have faith in God? That's not the right question. Does God have faith in us?' And I don't right. know if that's him like acknowledging his own depravity, kind of, or what did you take from that quote? I just I, I kind of assumed that he meant that like you know humans are ridiculous people and you can't really pin them down anyway and they're they're never gonna meet an expectation or a standard because they're gonna mm-hmm. fall to all sorts of different ways i don't know I, I assume that god has you know the god has no faith in us because we're ridiculous i think that's reasonable and clearly this show has only continued to illustrate that and i also liked how like beat us over the head he was with this metaphor where he's like now we're going deeper into the woods. Deeper into the woods. I wrote that down too. I liked that. It's like, yeah, all right, here we go. Frank's got to do what he's got to do. And so we have this conversation at dinner between Frank and Rusk and Rusk's wife, and they're talking about like the money, you know, the money being a blind trust, and they're like, because that's initially what Frank thought the issue was going to be was like a money related thing, and um, Rusk kind of says, no, that's not the problem at all. So Frank's says basically tries to be blunt again and asks him and, and so the guy kind of like rusk and his wife kind of counter and say why does the president want me should i do it tell me yes or no and it makes frank really uncomfortable to have the tables turned on him yeah 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 it, like the way he kind of like tries to come up formulate an answer almost reminds me of when he was in that debate oh um, yeah and like yeah a-e-i-o-u <laughs> yeah exactly um, and then they, he like it's straightforward with him. He's like, "Would you take this job?" And Frank is like, or, "Would you take this job? Would you tell me not to take this job? Should I take this job?" And Frank is like, "No, 
And then he, it's like, I almost thought I know, maybe for like, a second he was actually going to be honest. Me too. Me too. It's that like, was, that was no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> it's like, guys, like, fine, we'll talk about this tomorrow. And so Frank is like on his computer talking with Stamper. And Stamper did some background research, and turns out Walker and Tusk are old business partners. They've known each other for a really long time. Frank finds out he was being played, essentially, by Tusk and the president. So they go back down, and once again they're meeting in their pajamas in the middle of the night. Well, no, Frank is not. Frank is actually in his in his business suit, and Tusk is in his pajamas. So now you know, like, Frank's not going to be, like, the... He's not wearing he's any with costumes anymore. Yeah. He's going to be straight up with him. So he says, what's going on here? I know you guys are old friends. So Tusk, kind of, Tusk opens up and says, I'm not actually running. You're being vetted. This is you being vetted for vice president. I wrote, damn, the president is so slick. <laughs> and we have Tusk say that he was the one who advised Walker not to pick Frank for secretary of state. He doesn't say sure. why he didn't want Frank to be picked for secretary of state. Right, he doesn't. Um, but he he does blame like all the mishaps that have gone on in Congress from the teacher strike to all this other stuff. He he basically knows that Frank is behind him, and it's like finally I was like, okay, here's like the guy in the shadows that has kind of been Frank's nemesis the entire time, and we didn't even realize it because we were like waiting for a worthy adversary to Frank, and we just hadn't met so, the guy yet. So it's this it's this guy. This is the I kind of this you know what this made me think of. I was like, this guy's like the Carl Rove to. Um, you know, Walker's president or president Walker is president Bush, you know, it kind of like seems like they have that same sort of relationship where this is the guy who's like the real brains behind everything is this multi-millionaire. Um, so Tusk says that his recommend that he is willing to recommend Frank, but it comes at a price, but he won't tell Frank what that price is. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, and and I believe Frank responds is like it's so ironic to be on this side of the table in this situation cuz he's all, he he laughs at it cuz he's never been on the other side. The tables are like the, literally they they have been completely turned on him. I do you have any guesses as to what I um, don't know. I was thinking about that, but I I can't and I'm usually pretty good at guessing kind of what this guy wants or what he would want for the president. Do you have an idea? I I don't know if it had something to do with his own like nuclear assets. Maybe it would be like kill Sandcorp somehow or do some. Oh, know. that could be exactly what it is because that's why we've had to hear about goddamn Sandcorp for this long. Because it is interesting that they made him an energy person, and it's also obviously so. Basically, Frank goes back to like so. Frank leaves. He's pissed off, and I like how they like both trying to call cars at the same time to like see show who's more powerful. <laughs> I'll call you a cab. So Frank goes back to Washington. He's like railing at Linda over the phone about like, how did you not know this? And she swears she didn't know. Um, but for, so, you know, Russ Tusk had said that he would leave him till Friday to decide whether or not he was going to accept, you know, this blind. To do the favor offer. or not. The, bl- the blank check. Yes. But Frank straight out says, actually, what we have one week to do is to make him come crawling to me because I am not going to have worked this hard to get in the vice presidency just to have my hand cut off right before and be basically someone else's puppet just like I was making everyone else my puppet. Yep. Um, and so he wants to get Remy Denton on the phone and get Sandcorp on the phone. So there is... So clearly he's going to try to use Sandcorp to do something to... Right, to play the against the nuclear um, um, energy sources that uh, uh, Tusk uh, is... I think they said a third of his assets are in that, in that industry. And I think it's interesting to point out here that, like, Stamper's like, yeah, it's only a third of his, his business, though. Yeah, it's a lot, but he still has tons of money. Why would that be the thing to make him come crawling to you? And Frank pretty much says, you know, this guy, it's not about the money for him. It's about power and not being, like, he wants to be the one in power. And if he's not in power, that's going to affect him. And so, like, basically he's drawing the parallels between himself and this guy is, I think, equally. This is like him... Kind of just saying how they're equal matches because I think I don't remember where it was, but it was in an episode early on. He says that in one of his monologues to us that the people who value money are stupid because when it comes to th- like when it comes down to it, it's always power that's going to get you what you want. And power, 
Um, comes with money. It comes with all these other things. It comes with influence, and it'll get you what you, money when it when you need it. And so, he I think he probably kind of respects Tusk in that sense that the guy he knows the guy values power the most. And so it's kind of like we're finally have kind of two equal two equals in a battle, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in this finale, and how Sandcork is involved, and how the Clean Water Project is involved, and what Zoe does. It's, I have two questions for you on okay. this episode. Question number one. Are you rooting for Frank? <sighs> That's a good question. God. I hate to say it, but yes, I am. God damn it. And it's like, I don't want to be, but I feel like... I'm not rooting, like, just even thinking about it, after this episode, I'm not rooting for that Tusk guy. Um, I don't want him to get an upper hand on Frank. Like, somehow I am still rooting for him, and I f- I'm pissed about it, because I'm so mad he killed Russo. But it's like, it's what I said. He, like, has made us his little, so involved in his plot, that it's like, I feel like I'm too invested in it for him not to get what he wants after all this. That's what happens when, in episode one, he turned to us and involved us as his cohort. Question You're number right. two. Do you think Linda knows? Do you think Linda is in on all of this? She kept him out of the room and said, don't even talk to him about it. He's adamant. And two, she says that she had no idea when he calls her about that. Do you think she knows? Are you still so like you're suggesting that maybe Linda's a bigger spider than we ever realized? Kind of meaning, I think Linda knows exactly what the president's plan was, vetting Frank, but also playing, putting Frank in this situation where he'll have to do a favor, possibly. Because the president has clearly proven himself a little bit smarter than we've ever thought, but then again, we never knew he was smart to begin with, so who would have thought? But I think you're right. You, I, now that I think about it, knows. I. I think she does. I think she knows, and I think that she is in, like she's been playing Frank to some degree too. And I think that'll be some part of what, what's revealed in the final episode is just like how much Frank has been played, even though he thought he was the one being played the entire time. I agree. I hope Frank was played just a little bit more than at least than this episode, just so we could see that he is, doesn't get everything he wants. And well, I, 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 I let, let me agree, agree with you. I am okay. weirdly rooting for him, and I it makes me angry because I just have to remember what he did last episode. But for some reason, I'm like, man, I've done all this work. Wait, no, I ain't done all this work. It's been Frank. But I feel like I've been with him on this. And even though he murdered my best friend, I still want him to become vice president. Exactly. <sighs> so, what would you give the, What would you give this episode? It's a lot of preposition, but I wasn't as upset with it as last episode for obvious reasons. True. Um, I, and I like the whole interactions with Tusk a lot. So I'm going to go ahead and give it give it a three and a half. Okay. 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 I, I, I'm going to give it, do we give quarter of stars, quarter stars? <laughs> if you want, that's fine. <laughs> I, 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 like four seems too high, but 3.5 seems a little low for how I feel. So I kind of want to give it a 3.75 out of five. That, now, fuck. Oh, sorry. No, F it. I'll give it a four. I re- and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. I like Frank struggling and trying to figure out his last thing. It, if you, it really feels like this is a video game and he's gone through all the bosses, like the lower level bosses, the middle, um, the cha- somewhat challenging bosses, and now he's at the big boss at the end of the, at the, end of the level. That's The true. one we never really got to see but was pulling the strings the whole time. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, the puppet master. But I do like the direction they're taking Zoe. I just hope they keep her uh consistent in this kind of role as opposed to being crazy when she was trying all those dresses on and then wanting to be super ambitious and sleeping away at the top and being kind of rude and now she's kind of just being that you know investigative reporter and i do like that side more of her so i I like the new light that we're seeing her and i like the uh bond that her and janine have now i appreciate i I think she's yeah i agree i think she's kind of finding herself um 
I think that the I think we're kind of done with the whole Frank and Claire relationship thing. I think we've seen that take its course and now they're back together. Right. So I don't think that'll really be addressed. I'm or at least har- hardly any in the um finale is my guess. I was going to ask you one more question. Are you a little are you at all upset that we didn't learn anything about this Tusk guy till this episode? Does his name ever come up earlier? I mean, if anyone can remember no. a time it came up, please say something cuz maybe they snuck it in there and we just didn't notice. Right, you're right. This but, is out of the blue, and that kind of feels like a cheat. Mm-hmm. I agree. A little but, bit. you know, and I, I would give it an excuse if they didn't know how many episodes they would go, but they did this whole season straight off the bat, so they should have... I would have appreciated at least uh, an acknowledgement of this person at Dropping some Dropping him in somewhere. We didn't have to see him, but just hearing his name no. at some other point. Right, right, yeah. I agree. It does feel so. a little cheap. So do you have... I mean, what are your... Just... Let's so what's going to happen quick. next episode? Holy crap. Um, I think Frank will get the VP nod. But it's going to come at a price. I hope it comes at a price. Perhaps it'll come at the price of his relationship with Claire... Someone's going to have to sacrifice something big. I also think that Zoe and Janine are going to figure everything out, but I don't know how they're going to use it. God, I don't know. Is Frank going to go down or is he going to... So if Frank goes down, it's going to come at the hands of Janine and Zoe, I would expect. If he succeeds, I'm going to feel cheated that these two smart reporters are somehow getting cheated as well. What do you think? I I feel like they can't bring him down, though, because there's going to be a second season, and obviously he's going to be a, play a part of it, and like this seems like too big a scandal for him to recover from. I'm, I mean, uh, right, uh, do you you're think? Right. Yeah, you're right. Like, if he doesn't get it, then is he... And he gets taken... He won't get taken down completely, because then there's no second season, because there's no way he'll get back into office, Right. Right. So it kind of so now I feel kind of crappy about the whole situation with the with the two journalists trying to uncover this situation. It clearly I, won't happen, right? I don't know what the best solution there is. I mean, maybe Zoe ends up covering Frank's tracks for him in the end. Oh, I'll be furious. <laughs> and um, I agree with you, though. I think that Frank is going to get the VP, but I think that somehow his hand is going to be cut off. Whether it's this Tusk guy wins or whether it's Sandcorp that does it to him because he had to use them to get the other people, or maybe some wild card like Linda somehow pulls something. Mm-hmm. But I think that you're right. Somehow he's going to get a position, but he's going to be in a position where someone else has him under their thumb, and that's what the next season's going to be about, how he gets out from under there. I like it. All right, well, I don't want to... Let's leave it at that, because I want other people... I yes, want everyone else we can speculate kind of, all day. <laughs> yeah, so, so, you know, st- think over your own ideas and... Um, Email us, please. Facebook us. And, yeah, exactly. Um, tell, tell us what you guys think. Uh, email us at thishouseofcardspodcast at gmail.com or post on our Facebook wall. Um, or, as always, please rate us, like us, um, give us critiques and reviews and questions on iTunes, This House of Cards Podcast. But anyway, for this evening, um, I'm, we, are, we are now signing off. Chris, where, where can people find and follow you this uh, fun week? I'm on Twitter uh, at Chris Husted. It's Chris with a K. Tyler, where are you at? I am on Twitter at tjmoss11. All right. Thank you, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye. I don't want to be your friend. I just want to be your Yeah.